Hello, everybody. I don't know whether it's morning or afternoon, depending on what part of the country you're in. I'm Christopher B., your host for I Am Health and Wellness podcast. So this Friday, August 28th. Um, welcome. Again, we're going to have a very, very good topic to talk about for our health and wellness. And along with me is my co-host, great Valerie Gales Turner. How are you, Valerie? I'm doing well, Chris. How about yourself? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. How, how's how's the weather? How's the weather doing up there in Buffalo? Well, we had a bit of rain um, yesterday and the night before, and um, we had some rain this morning. But it seems like we're going to have a nice, bright, sunny day. About seventy-seven degrees today. Mm, oh, that sounds good. I was up there when it was. I think it was the ice age, Valerie. I think I saw a. Uh, uh, what was well, you anyway. are exaggerating? You are exaggerating. Everybody knows Buffalo has snow. <laughs> it was a shock to me. Um, <laughs> anyway, listen, you've got an exciting guest coming on on this podcast, this episode, and uh, you know where you and I both having type two diabetes. We're trying to get out to our community and what they need to look. Uh, to in, in, in improving their health, managing their type diabetes, hopefully defeating it uh, with the right practices and so forth. Tell us a little bit about what you want to talk about today. Well, I'd like to talk about the impact that COVID-19 has on diabetes. But first, I'd like to bring on a guest to talk about COVID-19, what it is, and explain to our listeners what it is, give us a little update because a lot of people really don't know what COVID-19 is mm -hmm. and um, don't have the updated information on COVID-19. So, and how it impacts, I'd like us to talk about how it impacts people with diabetes. Yeah, because I noticed that no matter who's talking about it, whether it's Dr. Fauci or these other doctors of infectious diseases, uh, always talking about how diabetes is very vulnerable to this thing. And uh, why is that? I want to know why. How do how can we protect ourselves of those that have this dreaded disease? And yeah, I think this is going to be interesting. Who's your guest for today? Our guest is Dr. Teresa Edgerton. Um, mm -hmm. Dr. Edgerton is a family nurse practitioner, board certified, and uh, she's taking care of a lot of COVID-19 patients and taking care of them well. Mm -hmm. So we have a, a great expert on the disease, someone who has actually taken care of COVID-19 patients. Mm, great. And um, yes, yeah, someone who has actually taken care of patients. And um, so we're glad to have her today. Okay. Uh, Dr. Valerie, are you there? Dr. Therese, Dr. T. Dr. Uh, T. I'm sorry. I looked at you on there. That's a mess. Dr. Chris. T, are you there? Yes. <laughs> hello, Chris and Valerie. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm yeah. well, thank you. What part of the country are you from? I'm in western New York. Okay, okay. How's the weather there today? Well, it's it's, it's okay. It rained a bit yesterday, but it's it's coming along okay. Probably in the uh, upper 70s. Okay, okay. That's good. I know down in the south we've had some very impactful weather with this hurricane and uh, oh yes uh, yeah it's um a lot of people had some bad nights and some bad days right now so we want to send our prayers out to them 
Uh, some of them lost everything they had. Um, so, Dr. T, I have type 2 diabetes. Valerie has type 2 diabetes. Large section of our community has this disease. And now we have this pandemic out here. What's going on? What's the real story? Well, first off, thank you for inviting me to your platform on mm -hmm. I Am Health and Wellness. Yes. And we know welcome. that knowledge is power. Mm -hmm. So before I get started, I'd like to just introduce COVID-19. Right? Okay. All right. So based on most recent data, the United States has the highest rate, right? Mm -hmm. And know that the U.S. is only 4% of the world population, yet it has 25% of COVID-19 cases. Mm. And we are rapidly approaching 6 million. Mm. which is one out of every six person infected. Mm. And incredibly, since the onset of COVID-19 in the U.S., it kills approximately 1,000 people each day. So currently, as a result, in the U.S., COVID-19 is third leading cause of death at more than 180,000 in less than a year. Right? Mm -hmm. So history shows us that most pandemics are the result of zoonotic viruses moving from animals to humans. And COVID-19 is part of the coronavirus group that is responsible for what we already know as mild to severe respiratory illnesses, such mm -hmm. as the common cold and varying degrees of a flu. But this COVID-19 is the result of the SARS-CoV-2 virus. It's the severe acute respiratory syndrome coronavirus. This virus caused these infections and it's very different in its pathogen from its group. It appears to be a combination of what we've had in the past in 2002, the SARS virus mm -hmm. combined with MERS that emerged in 2012, the Middle Eastern respiratory syndrome virus. However, COVID-19 does damage well beyond the respiratory tract as we know. So it's unlike its other viral predecessors. And its effect ravages through the entire human body. And that's because it attaches itself to what's known as the ACE2 receptor. Mm -hmm. So when an infected person uh, coughs or sneezes or sprays droplets during a cough, someone inhales those uh, viral droplets and attaches to the lining of the nose. Mm. And that's the ACE2 receptors that um, like, a, um, like a, a gear, it attaches itself to the ACE2 receptor that's already in our body. And that way the virus has the access to enter and replicate throughout our body. So the H2 receptor, just a little uh, window peek of it, it maintains protective barriers and it regulates our body, such as control over inflammation, blood pressure, and wound healing. Mm -hmm. So Chris, Valerie, mm -hmm. a very adverse health issue seen in diabetes, right? Mm -hmm. Right. Because of those comorbidities that we have with high blood pressure and um, 
heart disease and kidney problems and things like that. Right. So the COVID-19 has access because of this ACE2 receptor. So it travels Mm -hmm. throughout the body. So if your immune response is weakened Mm -hmm. and you can't fight it off at the nasal passages, that's Mm -hmm. when it enters the lungs. Okay, let me ask you a question. Let me ask you you a question, doctor. Um, They say that it can get into the eyes or the ears. Now, with what you're saying, it seems like, okay, well, uh, that might not be true. Is it true that you have to protect your eyes and your ears? Yes, uh, because the ACE2 receptor is uh, part of the human cells, the tissues. Mm. So it's part of every uh, human bodily system. So the brain, eyes, the nose, heart, lungs, liver, kidneys, intestines, and blood vessels. So it has access. So so, so the mask eyes, itself won't help. I'm sorry? The mask itself is not enough. Well, the uh, mass majority of spread mm-hmm. is inhaled. So that's mm-hmm. why it's important to cover your nose and mouth. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I go out, I try to be sure to wear glasses. When I'm at work, I wear goggles. Mm-hmm. So it is important to cover your eyes just in case someone sneezes or coughs near you. Or okay. I'm sure you've uh, had a conversation with someone in the past mm-hmm. where they sprayed even into your eye when they were talking to you, right? Yes, yes. So that's the mode of transmission for this COVID-19. So social distancing, obviously that helps. Mask, social dis- distancing is very important because those droplets, if too close to you, can enter the eyes or the ears. And of course, the biggest membrane we got is our skin. I mean, you know, with open pores and so forth like that. Um, okay, wow, wow. Mm. Okay. Right. So, you know, social distancing. And that's why it's important to maintain good hygiene, like you said, Chris, because mm. the virus can travel on your skin. Mm. It can also travel on your clothing. So it's important to wear your clothing items once when you're out in public and make sure they get washed. You know. Wait a minute. Now wait, now, now wait a minute. Wow. So that means even though you're out and everybody's out and mingling, you know, yeah. going to the mall, they're thinking that social distancing is enough or to the grocery stores. If right. someone sneezes, the virus can get on your clothes. You can take it home with you. Yes, absolutely. And that's why you hear all the information about good hygiene, washing your clothing after one wear, and cleaning your home with Lysol or bleach. That's the reason, because mm. these viruses can be carried home. Mm-hmm. Valerie? Yeah, I'm just listening, Chris. Oh, I'm just okay. listening. And then we're going to talk about um, when we get, you know, to, to our after we get our. Um, update on COVID, we're going to talk about how, why uh, people with diabetes are so affected with this. Okay. Okay. So the, the thing that I, I want to ask you, doctor, if, if it's on your clothes, if it's on your clothes, how does it get in you? I mean, okay, it's hanging on your clothes. Do you sniff it in? You know, you inhale it in? or Well, you, well you people know. have a, a history of touching their face 
Oh, especially okay. if you wear glasses or you're rubbing your nose. Mm-hmm. Some people are nail biters, so they're constantly putting their fingers in their mouth. Mm. So if this virus is on your clothing and you rub against that virus and you're touching your face, that's an entry point for the virus. Can we spread can we spray our clothes with Lysol? Well, it's better to wash your clothing. I wouldn't recommend that. Hmm. Just wash your clothing. Okay. Okay. Well, that gives us a, a pretty good idea as to what this thing is. I'm gonna tell you the truth, Doc. You know, I think it was. What do you think the possibility of COVID being manufactured by humans? I'm just throwing it out there. I'm just thinking. Well, you know, I try to base my practice on evidence-based science. Mm-hmm. Okay. So right now, those are speculations. So, you know, I'm not able to really um, speak to that. So when they first came out, they was thinking that it was a transference from a monkey, you know, where they were talking about monkeys to to humans in Wuhan. Uh, Is that fact? Is that science fact? Well, the science to it is that it is a zoonotic virus. Mm -hmm. Most of our pandemics are. They are transferred from animals to humans. Okay. So, yes, at this time, based on what we know, it is a transfer from animal to human. And do you think that transference came through blood or is a transference from animal to human being eaten or the animal having the droplets? How does that happen? How does that transmission happen? Well, what has been reported is there's like um, the meat and poultry store that use uh, poor hygiene practices. Mm-hmm. So just the overuse of poor hygiene and uh, transferring the meat, poor cooking practices caused the uh, outbreak. And that's just what's being uh, speculated at this time. Okay, speculation. All right. Okay. Um, I do have something I do want to address before um, we go any further, Chris Mm -hmm. and Dr. Teresa. Um. I want you to address the issue of the disproportionate impact COVID-19 has had on minority populations and marginalized communities. We knew that before um, COVID-19, but it seems to have been uh, exacerbated during COVID-19. Dr. T, what are you seeing in terms of healthcare disparities related to COVID-19? How do we start to address that? Mm, Good question. Well, uh, Chris and Valerie, uh, the underlying health conditions, as you know, are diabetes, cardiovascular disease, COPD, and let's not forget obesity and the elderly. So when COVID-19 strikes and a person is infected, um, namely diabetes, Mm -hmm. they have a six- times more likely chance of having hospital admission and they are Mm -hmm. 12 times Mm -hmm. likelier to have severe complications and death and that's because when blood glucose or sugar levels remain elevated and not Mm -hmm. well controlled Mm -hmm. elevated blood sugars reduce the body's immune response so when the virus enters the body Mm 
Mm-hmm. COVID-19 has more time to replicate, replicate before the body is able to build an immune response. So, mm. you know, with a person that didn't have underlying health conditions, their immune response can ward it off at the nasal passages. But because people with diabetes and elevated blood sugars that are not well maintained, their immune response is weakened. So the virus gets to travel through the lungs and then throughout the body before the body is able to build a immune response against it. So I know that last week in our, in our podcast, we spoke about how important it is to strengthen your immune system. Yes. How very important it is. Yes. And we spoke about it, how you do that through diet and exercise. Absolutely. Um, and to be able to lose that weight, to be able to manage that type 2 diabetes the best that you can. Right now, it's more important than ever. Now, one of the questions that Valerie brought up, which was interesting to me, how does a virus, how does a virus uh, affect one ethnicity and then more than another? Whether, you know, the brown people compared to white people. Uh, how, is, how is that even possible? How does a virus differentiate between the two? Or how is it different? Uh, well, it's not that it differentiates. It's just that prior to COVID, disproportionately, mm-hmm. uh, people of color, namely mm-hmm. African-Americans, suffer mm-hmm. with diabetes, high blood pressure, cardiovascular disease, obesity, and respiratory problems. Mm. So Okay, so COVID-19. COVID-19 has a playground and people that have underlying health conditions. So like mm-hmm. I said earlier, it doesn't stop at the nasal passage mm-hmm. because the immune response is weakened, right? So it mm-hmm. gets to travel through the lungs and then throughout the body without being challenged by the immune response. Mm-hmm. Okay, so are we saying that African-Americans are number one on the list, Latino-Americans are number two, and the rest is under that. Are, are, are we saying this? And, and that's why they're saying 70% of the ones that are infected or die from it are African-American? Yes. Yes. Mm. yes. So we need to change our diet, don't we, doctor? Well, absolutely. We definitely have to uh, focus on healthy eating. You know, green leafy vegetables, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. fresh fruit, uh, well hydration, uh, waters, not sugary drinks. You know, a lot of people drink pop, which is not healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, Processed uh, foods. Exactly. Get that out your diet. Right, right, right. right. Mm-hmm. So you really have to mm-hmm. clean your system out with healthy eatings, seafood, and avoid a lot of red meats. You know, avoid junk foods as best you can. So it's all about being healthy right now to ward off this COVID-19, because as we can see, the numbers are rising exponentially. So it's not going anywhere. So we have to take self-control and better manage our health. Now, what's interesting to me is that what's out here being emitted from the CDC or, or, or from the, even the science community, they're not really talking about diet. They're not really talking about what we're talking about. Uh, making sure that you strengthen your immune system. Uh, you need to change your diet, directing it directly to the uh, African-American community about that. O- of course, obesity, 
they they put out, you know, be proud of your size, don't fat shame, you know, and so forth. When obesity is quite dangerous and yes, can cause right yes. can cause death. So why do you think they're not really putting that particular uh, uh, edge on it? You know, in in, in in speaking to the American public, I can only speculate, but mm-hmm. uh, that micromanagement mm-hmm. on that level really should come from your healthcare provider. Mm-hmm researchers right now are more focused on identifying a standard of care treatment and prevention measures mm-hmm. so that's that's the role pretty much of your health care provider absolutely absolutely i agree with that because um your health provider is going to have more information about you and um <clears throat> It's easy to say change your diet, change your diet and give somebody a diet. But these diets or these meal plans have to be individualized. As we talked before, Chris, sometimes people can't don't have access to um, they don't have access to nutritious food. So you say, well, what are you eating? Well, you need to eat less of what you are eating. You have to work within what they have and um, how they can manage, individually manage their diabetes. The big thing we have to stress is to manage your diabetes because we know that unmanaged diabetes, is a person with unmanaged diabetes is not gonna do well with COVID-19. So the better you manage your diabetes, the better your immune system will be and the better chances you are of not having these um, adverse complications. I agree with you. And I agree with you, Dr. T. Yes. But I believe that the government in putting out this information about, well, 70% of African-Americans gives it, that's all they give it. And so a lot, of, a lot of us don't have access to these providers, right? That's one of the problems. Absolutely. Right? Okay, that's, that's one, one of the, the problems. problems. And that's why I had said that there should be, the government should be saying that the reason why 70% of African-Americans that are coming down with it and dying is because of this, because we don't know. We don't know. Of course, I know. I do my due diligence, but I yeah. know the other people, they don't know. They just simply go, oh my goodness, why is it just, why is it just hitting us? Why is it just hitting us? Right. And there should be a nationwide uh, 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 message to say, it's your diet, people. Right. You know, it's your obesity, people. It's, right. your, it's what you're eating. You're continually eating uh, uh, a diet that is going to kill you. Right. Now, as much as you like the fried chicken, as much as you like them pork chitterlings, that's okay. You know what I'm saying? If that's what you want to do. However, understand that there's going to be some consequences yes. on, on, on this. And now, if you're willing to pay that price, hey, listen, you know, everybody's free to do what they want to do with their own lives. I understand that. But please be educated enough to know whether or not you want to pay that price. Understand the consequences that are coming with your diet especially now with this pandemic out here because doc i think for me and i try to tell my friends and and so forth this isn't going anywhere the 1918 flu that came into our society 
is 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 it's the same one that came in 1918. It didn't go nowhere. It evolved. Now, it mutated. Yes. But I'm saying that it's here. COVID-19 now is here. Okay. Mm -hmm. It may mutate, whatever the case may be. But now we have, you know, influenza. Now we have COVID-19. What is our protection? They want to say vaccine. I get it. That vaccine hasn't helped the flu. I'm just saying, I'm just talking. Is this my opinion? Please forgive me. I don't want to be disrespectful. But that flu vaccine hasn't cured the flu. The flu is every season. Now here comes COVID and they want to be able to say, well, we want to get another vaccine. I think that's great. However, I think we need to look at the problem, right? And, and us in building our immune system, changing our diet, changing our way of thinking yes. as to eating to live as opposed to living to eat. This is the message that I believe our community and people who are, you know, uh, highly susceptible to this, this dreadful virus should know and understand. You are absolutely right. In addition to that, uh, we're in a time of uh, raised awareness to the um, systemic racism, right? Mm -hmm. Which speaks to socioeconomic uh, being a driver and predictor of health and health outcomes. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you are not um, well educated mm -hmm. and you have less than a high school education, mm -hmm. it is already known that you're at a higher uh, potential for being diagnosed with diabetes on mm -hmm. the level of education. Because if you have less than a high school education, what else happens? you generate less income, right? Mm -hmm. So you don't have access to eating healthy because unfortunately in this country, healthy eating costs more. Right. right? You, ever, you ever try organic foods or fresh fruits, vegetables, your grocery bill is going to be a lot higher than someone in front of you that might have soda pop and processed foods. So it's very expensive in this country to eat healthy and that's another disparity which impacts our health. But Chris, you're absolutely right. We do have to change the way we do things. And mm -hmm. we have to focus more on maintaining and controlling our health conditions that are already pre-existing. That's just number one. Well, I believe that I've gone to, I've been in the hood and I've been in the non-hood. All right. I've, I've had my experience all across the board. The foods that we eat could be healthy for us. We're eating collard greens. We're eating snap peas. We're eating leafy vegetables, kale, right? It's how we prepare it. Eating turnip greens, mustard greens. I see that. You go to the cookout, I see it. You know, we're eating sweet potatoes, right? They got right. the sweet potatoes in there. You don't have to eat the white potatoes. Eat the sweet potatoes. Keeps the, right. the your, your your sugar from spiking, you know, uh, the squash, you know, I, I, I see. But it's how we're preparing this food. And those right. foods are in the hood market. And I always do hear that argument about is it's our choice. We make these choices, you know. Now, if we're already buying that food, right, which, you know, uh, it's how you prepare. How are you frying it? Maybe you should bake it. You got the chicken, maybe you should bake it instead of you frying it. You know what I'm saying? Find other 
options other than just saying, okay, I'm poor and I don't have it. But it's in right. there. It's in there. You just have to be educated on how to uh, figure it out and choose the right things, you know? Absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And sometimes the way we eat it are generational. True. So if there are bad practices mm-hmm. from your parents, your mm-hmm. grandparents, mm-hmm. you're not going to just instinctively change to healthy eating overnight. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So it does take education and being made aware of what needs to be done to improve your preparation of food, your shopping. You know, I remember going back to what you were saying in the days of the hood. Mm -hmm. I remember when people had supplemental food vouchers, Mm -hmm. they would have ice cream and Mm -hmm. large bags of chips Mm -hmm. and and pop, Mm Kool-Aid, and just, just, just even the, the method in which they're shopping is unhealthy for them mm-hmm. and leads to this obesity mm-hmm. and chronic health conditions. Mm-hmm. So that's why I really appreciate this platform to help raise the awareness and educate people on better self-care, improving mm-hmm. their health. And um, I think the eye-opener here is now the price is death. Okay. Before it was okay. It's big mama. Okay, I'm big. My mama was big. My brother big. We just big. You know what I'm saying? And it's, it's acceptable and so forth right now. But you know what? I think with this pandemic, I think this is sometimes it takes something so drastic to change people's mind. And now you have to look at look when you see somebody, or you see yourself obese and so forth like that. You need to think about your mentality now. Really, you know, if 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 COVID wasn't even here, your obesity can it, death can come upon you and great disease. I know that I mentioned this in my podcast last week when I graduated from National Academy of Sports and Medicine. The first paragraph in the book we started to read was the government says seventy five percent of Americans are going to come down with a chronic disease due to poor nutrition and lack of exercise. It's the first. I'm like, what? They already know. They already know. Yes. <laughs> okay. But they're not teaching you what to do. So you need to think about what is their agenda then, right? What is their agenda? I'm just saying, if you care so much about us, okay. So I think we, I think we do have the foods that are in, in these, these, uh, these stores, these supermarkets and so forth. They just have to be taught, like you said, and educated on how to buy uh, what they need. Right. Of course, it's not only food. It's not only food. Um, I, True. We, we do have a big discussion about food, but there are some people with diabetes mm-hmm. that no matter what they eat, they have advanced diabetes and they are going to have advanced diabetes mm-hmm. and they cannot and they can eat whatever you tell them to eat but mm-hmm. they're still going to need insulin. They can exercise, especially your type ones. I mm-hmm. know our, our focus is on type two, mm-hmm. but our type one, di- people with ty- type one diabetes, they don't have obesity. Mm-hmm. They, are, they just have type one diabetes. And what mm-hmm. we need is federal programs because we have people out here who are getting sick because they have to, um, they have to ration out their insulin because they can't afford the cost of insulin. Insulin is expensive. Mm. They can't afford the cost of insulin. Mm. 
So they can't manage their diabetes well because they can't afford to get their insulin. There are people dying because they can't afford to get their, get their insulin. So when you talk about the government, we need federal programs to make sure these people can get the medication they need mm-hmm. to control their diabetes because there's some people who are going to need medication no matter how they manage their diabetes. And I agree with you wholeheartedly. And these are situations that well, obviously that we can talk about, but I think that we're in a position now with this platform to help those that are pre-diabetic, right? Uh, mm-hmm. That are pre-diabetic because my whole thing, my whole platform, even beginning this is like, look, because of my type two diabetes, although I manage it very well, it's about, I don't want you to get it, right? I don't want you to, to have what I have you know, to, to be uh, tethered to medication. You know what I'm saying? And so, mm-hmm. yes, of, of course, there are always exceptions. So type 1 diabetes, either born with it, um, juvenile diabetes, all of that. I get that. And with you, Valerie and Dr. T, you give that information for those uh, that are currently within that, that matrix. But it's those that haven't, hasn't gotten it yet. You know, a lot of my clients are pre-diabetic or just made, you know, became type two diabetic. And, and through exercise and through diet, and you've seen my work, you know, they, 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 they're off of medication and the doctor says they don't have it at the time. Obviously you can go back and go back into your own habits, back to your old habits. But that's basically what I'm talking about. But you're absolutely right with the type two and some people it's just going to be with you. And, uh, uh, and the government needs to help that too. I agree with you, too. Mm-hmm. So, so as we um, as we move forward, as we move forward, Doctor T, what do we what do we what do we tell the people about this COVID? You know, give us your. I know it's kind of difficult. How can you? What do we do? What do we do? Well, you know, just maintain social distance. Mm-hmm. Wash your hands frequently throughout the day. Use a hand sanitizer with at least 60% alcohol. Mm-hmm. Avoid touching your face. Um, cover your mouth when you cough, sneeze. Wash your hands after. Um, and cover your nose and mouth. And if at all possible, wear glasses when you're out in public. Now, when you, you know, say glasses, what do you mean? Eyes. Sunglasses? Sunglasses, okay. reading glasses, if okay. at all possible. But if you maintain that six foot social distance, you'll be okay because oftentimes the air droplets will fall before it reaches you. Now, if someone sneezes in your face, it may project even further. You know, it's been speculated that some of these um, aerosols go uh, more than 20 feet. So that's why it's so important to cover your nose and mouth, right? And and be aware, like I discussed earlier, about the virus being uh, able to uh, travel on your clothing. And and know Mm -hmm. that uh, the virus can last on objects such as your, um, and it's a, a small method of transfer, but know that the virus can land on hard surfaces, right? Mm-hmm. Like plastic, 
uh, countertops, uh, cardboard, uh, cans. So after grocery shopping, you know, you should get into a practice of washing your hands after you put everything away. Oh my Some goodness. people like to spray their bags down, right? Mm-hmm. So we have gotten into a practice now that we have a container at our uh, side door that we will just set the mail there and just spray it with Lysol and just set it there for a while before we open it. Mm-hmm. So we just have to just um, change the, the way we do things and get into better practices to prevent the spread of the disease. And that's what we have to focus on. Prevention, preventing the spread. Now, they say that it, it can stay in the air. I've heard this uh, quite a few minutes now, as opposed to just hits the air and just drops. That it's it, it can stay in the air for some time. Have you read anything on that? Does that have any factuality to it? Yes, it does. And that's the reason to cover your nose and mouth. And that's the reason for staying a distance. Mm-hmm. Because, uh, you know, understand, um, I tell some of the nurses I work with mm-hmm. that it takes nine months to create a life. When a woman is pregnant, mm-hmm. we have not had COVID-19 for nine months in the U.S., right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So there's a lot of unknowns. True. But it, it was highly felt that um, it was spread through air droplets, mm-hmm. which are larger and heavier, so they drop. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now there is some um, information coming forth that some of these viral uh, pathogens are aerosol. So they, they uh, spread further and last longer in the air. But with that being said, uh, we wanna mitigate fear and just practice safe social distance, practice covering your nose and mouth. Well, I wanna also deal with common sense for me yeah. and my understanding, and this is this, I go into a Walmart and I'm amazed, especially in the hood, I'm amazed at how many are not having a mask on or the mask is on the mouth and not on the nose. So there's breathing, okay? There's right. breathing. So if you've got an entire Walmart full of people, okay? Mm-hmm. And they have no mask, they're breathing or they could be coughing and so forth and so on. That That's gonna be a concentrated area of this virus bring in the, bring, being in the air and six foot distancing would have no impact whatsoever. I thought about that. You know, it's, it's like take for example, if you were able to do some sort of x-ray and you were able to see the virus in the air and you go into you know, these, these stores and it's you know, full of people and so forth like that, that virus is just gonna be hanging in the air like that. Right, but right? Again, to mitigate um, fear and heightened um, panic, um, visualize a healthcare setting. So you have healthcare providers and healthcare workers that are actually caring for patients with COVID nineteen. True, and if they wear gloves, goggles, mm-hmm. gown, and a mask, they're okay. Um, in my practice, I've managed um, 
more than 20 patients with COVID-19 in their rooms, examining them. Mm -hmm. They have coughed. They have sneezed. Mm -hmm. Okay, I had to put my gloved hands on them to do a thorough, complete physical exam. Mm -hmm. But I've been fortunate enough where I have not contracted COVID-19. So it's not easily transmitted if you practice safe measures. So we need gloves. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. And I, I just want specific. So obviously we need gloves. Because yes. there are some health workers and doctors who have contracted the COVID. Now, I'm not trying to stoke fear, okay? That's not what I'm trying to do. But I'm right. trying to get an understanding. I'm sorry. I, right. It's hard for me to be politically correct. I'm sorry. Chris, um, Chris yeah, yeah. I do want to address something you said, and you're absolutely right. Mm -hmm. um, early on, healthcare workers did not have enough PPEs. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So they didn't have enough protective measures when they took care of people with COVID-19. And Valerie, Valerie and I, um, we've worked together in various settings. Mm -hmm. So we know that, Valerie, firsthand, a PPE was used for one patient. One time. And when you leave that room, mm -hmm. you completely take it off. And mm -hmm. before you go into another room, you don a complete new set of PPEs. But right now, when you hear over the media and you hear the shortages, mm -hmm. that's what they're speaking to because these healthcare providers have had to wear their PPDs for up to five days or more. Oh my goodness. Shortages. Oh my so when goodness. you go from PPE, one patient only, mm -hmm. to five or more days, yes, you are at greater risk. And I'll give you a personal story. Uh, I work for a company that sends healthcare providers to various settings. Mm -hmm. So my company sent me two PPEs. And my company was aware that I was managing more than 20 patients with COVID-19. <laughs> so thank goodness for my husband who went out and found resources so that I would have adequate supplies because I explained to my husband, you know, PPEs were meant for one patient use only. So what is, what are two PPEs going to do for me? Right? Mm -hmm. So that's the problem when you hear about healthcare providers uh, contracting COVID-19, mm -hmm. a lot of that is because of the shortage of PP, uh, PPEs. Now, one of the, uh, great information. One of the things that I, I did a little due diligence about these uh, ventilators, if I'm saying that correctly, and they were saying that 80% of the people, 80 to 85% of the people that get on them die. Uh, is this true? Is there a large percentage that because of getting on the ventilators, they die? They said it weakens the lungs, whatever the case may be. Can you give us a little insight into that? Well, what I could speak to is uh, when a person requires the use of a ventilator, mm -hmm. they're already in a critical state. Right? Okay, right. So it um, that's part of the problem. Mm -hmm. um, and like I said earlier, 
this is a very new virus, a virus that we have never known. So there is no standard of care. There is no consistent effective treatment. So we are learning as we go, Chris. That's true. That's true. And Dr. Yeah. Fauci said that too. You know, yeah. things will change. You know, yeah. as, you know, things will change as they go. Of course it is. You got you have a pathogen that's out there and you have no clue as to what it's going to do and how it's going to do it until it does it. <laughs> if yes. that makes any sense, and you go, right. oh, don't do that. Yes, right. you, this is something something that we have to adapt. And our protection, our right. protection, is what we do outside of ourselves: masks, glasses, uh, shields, clothing, changing the clothing, uh, and all of that. And also, Washing again, it. yes, yes, and building up our immune system. Um, right. So. So what is then, then, then the ventilators then are just to sustain you? Because some people get on it, they do get off, they do yes. come. Okay, okay, okay. Yes, yes. Okay, so okay. the ventilator is to support the breathing because remember I, I spoke earlier about the, uh, the virus being predominantly inhaled. So for most people, and understand, 80% of people who contract COVID-19 mm-hmm. has mild to moderate symptoms. And I some people that. have no symptoms at all because mm-hmm. their body is able to launch an immune response to fight it off, just like you do with a common cold, just like you do with various flus, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but when you are um, compromised, that virus is emboldened and it travels with the um, receptor, right? Mm-hmm. The H2 receptor that allows it to have entry beyond the nasal passages into the lungs. So the lungs are a target. It is a respiratory virus. So when your body is not able to fight it off, it will interfere with your breathing. You'll have shortness of breath. Your saturation will drop. And some people are fortunate and just wear the um, oxygen mask. Mm-hmm. Some people have severe complications that require the ventilator. So even if you don't have diabetes, smoking is like the worst thing you can do. Vaping, yes. right? Oh, Any- absolutely. Okay. So anything yeah. you're doing, to, I know people say, I got to smoke my weed. I got to do this. No. <laughs> Excuse me. Um but you need to you need to understand that doing anything to your lungs at this time, yes, you need to stop. Right. <laughs> you need to stop. Eat a brownie. Right. I right. eat the brownie. They got weed candy. <laughs> eat that. Um, <laughs> uh, just so that you can protect yourself. That's why we are here. How do you protect yourself? Yeah, you know, and and we need to get this message out, V. And I'm. I'm so I'm so thankful for 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 you guys, you know, that you're on the front line. You know, you're there helping helping us. And uh, I think this is is an incredible information. Incredible. Now, they talk about ace uh what is it? Asymptomatic, asymptomatic. and uh, asymptomatic. Now, DL Hughley didn't know he had it. He was at a nightclub Right, no mask. People after me. He fell out. They found out. Okay, he got it. Um, 
does it just come over you like that? I mean, you know what I'm saying? How does it just overwhelm you like that? And and tell us about how that happens, asymptomatic, and what we should look out for, for with that. Well, uh, COVID-19, this new novel virus, is mm-hmm. not as lethal as SARS or MERS, right? Now, that's interesting. It is that's rapidly spreading. So if you put it in perspective, upwards of 6 million people in the U.S. have contracted it. But we've had 180,000 to die. So if you put that in perspective, it's not a very lethal virus. So with that being said, 45% may show no symptoms. They may be asymptomatic. Their immune, immune response is effective in warding it off. Right, they're carriers. Mm-hmm. They can spread it to others, mm. but they may have absolutely no symptoms. And sometimes I can presume to say that he is in show business. So having it in an asymptomatic um, phase, now he's getting worn down because he was performing at the time. Mm. So when you're worn down, you're not mm. eating right. You're not getting adequate rest. Mm-hmm. that's when that virus is emboldened and causes more problems right mm. so 45% yes will have absolutely no symptoms and 80% will only have mild to moderate 80% require no hospital admission they recover at home hmm. so it's not as lethal as viruses that we have known it's not as lethal as Ebola virus. Well, right? Right, 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 it's right, just right. a rapidly spreading virus, right? And it's the most rapidly spreading virus that we've known. So the key is to prevent yourself from contracting it in the first place because there's no predictor on how well you will um, survive, right? Mm. We've had children die from COVID 19. So we don't have a gauge because it's so new. So the best defense is to prevent the spread. Wear your gloves, cover your nose and mouth, wash your hands frequently, shower, keep your house clean, right? Eat healthy, exercise, stay hydrated. And that's like the best take home point because you want to uh, build a defense to prevent the spread. And then if you do contract it, Make sure that you're in the best of health going into this infection. Yes, yes. Perfectly said, perfectly said. I'm going to thank you for coming on, Dr. T. Um, this has been incredible. It's motivational, it's inspirational, and, and, and very educational. And, and I think that the key here is what you just said at the end. You know, take care of yourself. You know, take care of yourself. Love yourself. If you love yourself, you take care of yourself. Um, Valerie, you have any final words? Yes, I just want to do a short recap. I just want to let people know that um, COVID-19, if you have diabetes, you don't have more of a risk of contracting COVID-19 than the general population. And this was said, I just want to make sure you know that, but you do have a risk of 
greater adverse complications or worse outcomes. Mm -hmm. So you have a risk, greater risk of being hospitalized. You have a greater risk of going on a ventilator Mm -hmm. and a greater risk of death, as Dr. T says. So you don't have a greater risk of contracting it, but you do have a greater risk of worse outcomes. So make sure you're monitoring your blood sugar levels. Make sure you're managing your diabetes well. Make sure you're taking your your blood pressure at home if you have a blood pressure machine because COVID-19 also raises your blood pressure. So make sure that you are monitoring. Yes, you are monitoring your health and that you are um, and that you know what's going on and managing your diabetes, taking your medication for your high blood pressure. So you want to be able, you want to be managing all of those chronic diseases to ward off worse, to ward off worse outcomes of COVID-19. Make sure you contact your doctor if you have a fever or a dry cough, but if you have shortness of breath and pain or pressure in your chest, those are things that you call EMS for immediately. You don't Mm. call your doctor if you can't breathe. Mm. You call emergency medical services if you have persistent chest pain or your family, you can't arouse a family member. Those are things you don't wait to, to, to call your doctor for. You call EMS immediately. Well, that's excellent. Thank you, Dr. T, for coming on. Uh, really do appreciate you. You're doing good work out there. I'm proud of you, my sister. I'm proud of you. Uh, v, Thanks so much. again, yes. did it again. Episode Yes. Yeah, I love it. We're going to keep it going. I hope you come back on with us as we travel down this journey with this COVID mess uh, that we can call on you, hopefully, down in the future, and you can give us more information as this thing uh, continues to do what it do. Thank you so much, Dr. Chris, and Chris, mm-hmm. Valerie, it's my pleasure. Thank you for taking time out to do what you do to oh, offer health you. education in support of improving self care. Thank, thank you, you so much. Thank you. All right, everybody. This is Christopher B. and Valerie, along with Dr. T. We want to thank you for joining us today. Have a good day. Stay healthy and protect yourself. Love yourself. Goodbye, everybody. Bye-bye. 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 Hello, everybody. I don't know whether it's morning or afternoon, depending on what part of the country you're in. I'm Christopher B., your host for I Am Health and Wellness podcast this Friday, August 28th. Um, Welcome. Again, we're going to have a very, very good topic to talk about for our health and wellness. And along with me is my co-host, great Valerie Gales Turner. How are you, Valerie? I'm doing well, Chris. How about yourself? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. How, how's how's the weather? How's the weather doing up there in Buffalo? Well, we had a bit of rain um, yesterday and the night before, and um, we had some rain this morning. But it seems like we're going to have a nice, bright, sunny day. About seventy-seven degrees today. Mm-hmm. Ooh. That sounds good. I was up there when it was. I think it was the Ice Age, Valerie. I think I saw a. Uh, uh, what was well, you anyway. are exaggerating? You are exaggerating. Everybody knows Buffalo has snow. 
it was a shock to me. Um, <laughs> anyway, listen, you've got an exciting guest coming on on this podcast, this episode. And uh, you know, we're you and I both having type 2 diabetes. We're trying to get out to our community and what they need to look uh, to in, in, in improving their health, managing their type diabetes, hopefully defeating it uh, with the right practices and so forth. Tell us a little bit about what you want to talk about today. Well, I'd like to talk about the impact that COVID-19 has on diabetes. But first, I'd like to bring on a guest to talk about COVID-19, what it is, and explain to our listeners what it is, give us a little update because mm -hmm. a lot of people really don't know what COVID-19 is mm -hmm. and um, don't have the updated information on COVID-19. So, and how it impacts, I'd like us to talk about how it impacts people with diabetes. Yeah, because I noticed that no matter who's talking about it, whether it's Dr. Fauci or these other doctors of infectious diseases, uh, always talking about how diabetes is very vulnerable to this thing. And uh, why is that? I want to know why. How do how can we protect ourselves of those that have this dreaded disease? And yeah, I think this is going to be interesting. Who's your guest for today? Our guest is Dr. Teresa Edgerton. Um, mm -hmm. Dr. Edgerton is a family nurse practitioner, board certified, and uh, she's taking care of a lot of COVID-19 patients and taking care of them well. Mm -hmm. So we have a, a great expert on the disease, someone who has actually taken care of COVID-19 patients. Mm, great. And um, yes, yeah, someone who is actually taking care of patients. And um, so we're glad to have her today. Okay. Uh, Dr. Valerie, are you there? Dr. Therese, Dr. T. Dr. Uh, T. I'm sorry. I looked at your name. That's a mess. Hello, Dr. Chris. T, are you there? Yes. <laughs> hello, Chris and Valerie. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm yeah. well, thank you. What part of the country are you from? I'm in Western New York. Okay, okay. How's the weather there today? Well, it's it's, it's okay. It rained a bit yesterday, but it's it's coming along okay. Probably in the uh, upper 70s. Okay, okay. That's good. I know down in the south we've had some very impactful weather with this hurricane and uh, oh yes uh, yeah it's um, a lot of people had some bad nights and some bad days right now so we want to send our prayers out to them sure. uh, some of them lost everything they had um so dr t i have type 2 diabetes valerie has type 2 diabetes large section of our community has this disease and now we have this pandemic out here What's going on? What's the real story? Well, first off, thank you for inviting me to your platform on mm -hmm. I Am Health and Wellness. Yes. And we You're know welcome. that knowledge is power. Mm -hmm. So before I get started, I'd like to just introduce COVID-19. Right? Okay. All right. So based on most recent data, the United States has the highest rate, right? Mm -hmm. And know that the U.S. is only 4% of the world population, yet it has 25% of COVID-19 cases. Mm. And we are rapidly approaching 6 million, mm. which is one out of every six person infected. Mm. And incredibly, since the onset of COVID-19 in the U.S., 
it kills approximately 1,000 people each day. So currently, as a result, in the U.S., COVID-19 is third leading cause of death at more than 180,000 in less than a year. Right? Mm-hmm. So history shows us that most pandemics are the result of zoonotic viruses moving from animals to humans. And COVID-19 is part of the coronavirus group that is responsible for what we already know as mild to severe respiratory illnesses, such Mm -hmm. as the common cold and varying degrees of a flu. But this COVID-19 is the result of the SARS-CoV-2 virus. It's the severe acute respiratory syndrome coronavirus. This virus caused these infections, and it's very different in its pathogen from its group. It appears to be a combination of what we've had in the past in 2002, the SARS virus, Mm -hmm. combined with MERS that emerged in 2012, the Middle Eastern Respiratory Syndrome virus. However, COVID-19 does damage well beyond the respiratory tract as we know. So it's unlike its other viral predecessors. And its effect ravages through the entire human body. And that's because it attaches itself to what's known as the ACE2 receptor. Mm -hmm. So when an infected person uh, coughs or sneezes or sprays droplets during a cough, someone inhales those uh, viral droplets and attaches to the lining of the nose. Mm. And that's the ACE2 receptors that um, like a, um, like a, a gear, it attaches itself to the ACE2 receptor that's already in our body. And that way the virus has the access to enter and replicate throughout our body. So the ACE2 receptor, just a little uh, window peek of it, it maintains protective barriers and it regulates our body, such as control over inflammation, blood pressure, and wound healing. Mm -hmm. So Chris, Valerie, Mm -hmm. very adverse health issue seen in diabetes, right? Mm -hmm. Right. Because of those comorbidities that we have with high blood pressure and um, heart disease and kidney problems and things like that. Right. So the COVID-19 has access because of this ACE2 receptor. So it travels Mm -hmm. throughout the body. So if your immune response is weakened Mm -hmm. and you can't fight it off at the nasal passages, that's when it enters the lungs. Okay, and let me ask you a question. Let, yeah. me ask you, let me ask you a question, doctor. Um, they say that it can get into the eyes or the ears. Now, with what you're saying, it seems like, okay, well, uh, that might not be true. Is it true that you have to protect your eyes and your ears? Yes, uh, because the ACE2 receptor is uh, part of the human cells, the tissues. Mm. So it's part of every uh, human bodily system. So the brain, eyes, the nose, heart, lungs, liver, kidneys, intestines, and blood vessels. So it has access. 
So, so, so the mask itself won't help. I'm sorry. The mask itself is not enough. Well, the uh, mass majority of spread Mm -hmm. is inhaled. So that's Mm -hmm. why it's important to cover your nose and mouth. Mm -hmm. Um, And when I go out, I try to be sure to wear glasses. When I'm at work, I wear goggles. Mm -hmm. So it is important to cover your eyes just in case someone sneezes or coughs near you. Or I'm sure you've uh, had a conversation with someone in the past Mm -hmm. where they sprayed even into your eye when they were talking to you, right? Yes, yes. So that's the mode of transmission for this COVID-19. So social distancing, obviously that helps. Mask, social distancing is very important because those droplets, if too close to you, can enter the eyes or the ears. And of course, the biggest membrane we got is our skin. I mean, you know, with open pores and so forth like that. Um, Okay, wow. Wow. Mm. Okay. Right. So, you know, social distancing. And that's why it's important to maintain good hygiene, like you said, Chris, because Mm. the virus can travel on your skin. Mm. It can also travel on your clothing. So it's important to wear your clothing items once when you're out in public and make sure they get washed. Wait a minute. Now, wait, now, now, wait a minute. Wow. So that means even though you're out and everybody's out and mingling, you know, going to the mall, they're thinking that social distancing is enough or to the grocery stores. If someone sneezes, the virus can get on your clothes. You can take it home with you. Yes, absolutely. And that's why you hear all the information about good hygiene, washing your clothing after one wear and cleaning your home with Lysol or bleach. That's the reason. Because mm. these virus can be carried home. Mm, mm, mm. Valerie? Yeah, I'm just listening, Chris. Oh, I'm just okay. listening. And then we're going to talk about um, we get, you know, to, to our after we get our um, update on COVID, we're going to talk about how, why uh, people with diabetes are so affected with this. Okay, okay. So the the thing that I want to ask you, doctor, if if it's on your clothes, if it's on your clothes, how does it get in you? I mean, okay, it's hanging on your clothes. Do you sniff it in? You know, you inhale it in? or you? Well, people have a a history of touching their face. Oh, Especially if you wear glasses or you're rubbing your nose. Mm -hmm. Some people are nail biters. So they're constantly putting their fingers in their mouth. Mm. So if this virus is on your clothing and you rub against that virus and you're touching your face, that's an entry point for the virus. Can we spread? Can we spray our clothes with the Lysol? Well, it's better to wash your clothing. I wouldn't recommend that. Mm. Just wash your clothing. Okay. Okay. Well, that gives us a, a pretty good idea as to what this thing is. I'm gonna tell you the truth, Doc. You know, I think it was, what do you think the possibility of COVID being manufactured by humans? I'm just throwing it out there, I'm just thinking. Well, you know, I try to base my practice on evidence-based science. Mm -hmm. Okay. Right now, those are speculations. So, you know, I'm not able to really um, speak to that. 
So when they first came out, they was thinking that it was a transference from a monkey, you know, where they were talking about monkeys to, to humans in Wuhan. Uh, do you, is that fact? Is that science fact? Well, it, the science to it is that it is a zoonotic virus. Mm-hmm. Most of our pandemics are. They are transferred from animals to humans. Okay. So, yes, at this time, based on what we know, it is a transfer from animal to human. And do you think that transference came through blood or is a transference from animal to human being eaten or the animal having the droplets? How does that happen? How does that transmission happen? Well, what has been reported is there's like um, the meat and poultry store that use uh, poor hygiene practices. Mm-hmm. So just the overuse of poor hygiene and uh, transferring the meat, poor cooking practices cause the uh, outbreak. And that's just what's being uh, speculated at this time. Okay, speculation. All right. Okay. Um, I do have something I do want to address before um, we go any further, Chris Mm -hmm. and Dr. Teresa. Um. I want you to address the issue of the disproportionate impact COVID-19 has had on minority populations and marginalized communities. We knew that before um, COVID-19, but it seems to have been uh, exacerbated during COVID-19. Dr. T, what are you seeing in terms of healthcare disparities related to COVID-19? How do we start to address that? Mm, good question. Well, uh, Chris and Valerie, uh, the underlying health conditions, as you know, are diabetes, cardiovascular disease, COPD, and let's not forget obesity and the elderly. So when COVID-19 strikes and a person is infected, um, namely diabetes, mm-hmm. they have a six times more likely chance of having hospital admission and they are 12 times Mm -hmm. likelier to have severe complications and death and that's because when blood glucose or sugar levels remain elevated and not Mm -hmm. well controlled Mm -hmm. elevated blood sugars reduce the body's immune response so when the virus enters the body Mm -hmm. COVID-19 has more time to replicate replicate before the body is able to build an immune response. So, Mm. you know, with a person that didn't have underlying health conditions, their immune response can ward it off at the nasal passages. But because people with diabetes and elevated blood sugars that are not well maintained, their immune response is weakened. So the virus gets to travel through the lungs and then throughout the body before the body is able to build a immune response against it. So I know that last week in our, in our podcast, we spoke about how important it is to strengthen your immune system, yes. how very important it is. Yes. And we spoke about it, how you do that through diet and exercise. Absolutely. Um, and to be able to lose that weight, to be able to manage that type two diabetes the best that you can. Right now, it's more important than ever. Now, one of the questions that Valerie brought up, which was interesting to me, how does a virus 
how does a virus uh, affect one ethnicity and then more than another? Whether, you know, the brown people compared to white people. Uh, how, is, how is that even possible? How does a virus differentiate between the two? Or how is it different? Uh, well, it's not that them? it differentiates. It's just that prior to COVID, disproportionately, mm-hmm. uh, people of color, namely mm-hmm. African-Americans, suffer mm-hmm. with diabetes, high blood pressure, cardiovascular disease, obesity, and respiratory problems. Mm. So, okay, so COVID-19. COVID-19 has a playground in people that have underlying health conditions. So like mm-hmm. I said earlier, it doesn't stop at the nasal passage mm-hmm. because the immune response is weakened, right? So it gets mm-hmm. to travel through the lungs and then throughout the body without being challenged by the immune response. Mm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so are we saying that African Americans are number one on the list, Latino Americans are number two, and the rest is under that? Are, are, are we saying this? And, and that's why they're saying 70% of the ones that are infected or die from it are African Americans? Yes, yes. Mm. So we need to change our diet, don't we, doctor? Well, absolutely. We definitely have to uh, focus on healthy eating. You know, green leafy vegetables, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. fresh fruit, uh, well hydration, uh, waters, not sugary drinks. Mm-hmm, you know, a lot mm-hmm. of people drink pop, which is not healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, Processed uh, food. Exactly. Get that out your diet. Right, right, right. right. Mm-hmm. So you really have to mm-hmm. clean your system out with healthy eatings seafood and avoid a lot of red meats you know avoid junk foods as best you can so it's all about being healthy right now to ward off this COVID-19 because as we can see the numbers are rising exponentially so it's not going anywhere so we have to take self-control and better manage our health. Now what's interesting to me is that what's out here being emitted from the CDC or, or, or from the, even the science community, they're not really talking about diet. They're not really talking about what we're talking about, uh, making sure that you strengthen your immune system. Uh, you need to change your diet, directing it directly to the uh, African-American community about that. Of course, obesity. They're, they put out, you know, be proud of your size, don't fat shame, you know, and so forth, when obesity is quite dangerous and yes, can, cause, right, yes. can cause death. So why do you think they're not really putting that particular uh, uh, edge on it, you know, in, 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 in speaking to the American public? I can only speculate, but mm-hmm. uh, that micromanagement mm-hmm. on that level really should come from your health care provider. Mm-hmm researchers right now are more focused on identifying a standard of care treatment and prevention measures mm-hmm. so that's that's the role pretty much of your health care provider absolutely absolutely i agree with that because um your health provider is going to have more information about you and um <clears throat> It's easy to say change your diet, change your diet and give somebody a diet. But these diets or these meal plans have to be individualized. As we talked before, Chris, sometimes people can't don't have access to um, they don't have access to 
nutritious food. So you say, well, what are you eating? Well, you need to eat less of what you are eating. You have to work within what they have and um, how they can manage, individually manage their diabetes. The big thing we have to stress is to manage your diabetes because we know that unmanaged diabetes is a person with unmanaged diabetes is not going to do well with COVID-19. So the better you manage your diabetes, the better your immune system will be and the better chances you are of not having these um, adverse complications. I agree with you. And I agree with you, Dr. T. But I believe that the government in putting out this information about, well, 70% of African-Americans gets it. That's all they give it. And so a lot, of, a lot of us don't have access to these providers, right? That's one of the problems. Absolutely. Right? Okay, that's, that's one, one of the, the problems. problems. And that's why I had said that there should be, the government should be saying that the reason why 70% of African-Americans that are coming down with it and dying is because of this. Because we don't know. We don't know. Of course, I know. I do my due diligence, but I yeah. know the other people. They don't know. They just simply go, "Oh my goodness, why is it just? Why is it just hitting us? Why is it just hitting us?" Right. And there should be a nationwide uh, 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 message to say, "It's your diet, people. Right. You know, it's your obesity, people. It's right. your, it's what you're eating. You're continually eating uh, uh, a diet that is going to kill you." Right. Now, as much as you like the fried chicken, as much as you like them pork chitterlings, that's okay. You know what I'm saying? If that's what you want to do. However, understand that there's going to be some consequences yes. on, on, on this. And now, if you're willing to pay that price, hey, listen, you know, everybody's free to do what they want to do with their own lives. I understand that. But please be educated enough to know whether or not you want to pay that price. Understand the consequences that are coming with your diet especially now with this pandemic out here because doc i think for me and i try to tell my friends and and so forth this isn't going anywhere the 1918 flu that came into our society is 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 it's the same one that came in 1918 it didn't go nowhere and you it mutated yes but i'm saying that it's here covid 19 now is here Okay, mm-hmm. it may mutate, whatever the case may be. But now we have, you know, influenza. Now we have COVID-19. What is our protection? They want to say vaccine. I get it. That vaccine hasn't helped the flu. I'm just saying, I'm just talking, is this my opinion? I'm, please forgive me. I don't want to be disrespectful. But that flu vaccine hasn't cured the flu. The flu is every season. Now here comes COVID and they want to be able to say, well, we want to get another vaccine. I think that's great. However, I think we need to look at the problem, right? And, and us in building our immune system, changing our diet, changing our way of thinking yes. as to eating to live as opposed to living to eat. This is the message that I believe our community and people who are you know, uh, highly susceptible to this, this dreadful virus should know and understand. You are absolutely right. In addition to that, 
uh, we're in a time of uh, raised awareness to the um, systemic racism, right? Mm -hmm. Which speaks to socioeconomic uh, being a driver and predictor of health and health outcomes. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you are not um, well educated mm -hmm. and you have less than a high school education, mm -hmm. it is already known that you're at a higher uh, potential for being diagnosed with diabetes mm. on your level of education. Because if you have less than a high school education, what else happens? You generate less income, right? Mm. So you don't have access to eating healthy because unfortunately in this country, healthy eating costs more. Right. right? You, ever, you ever try organic foods or fresh fruits, vegetables, your grocery bill is going to be a lot higher than someone in front of you that might have soda pop and processed foods. So it's very expensive in this country to eat healthy. And that's another disparity which impacts our health. But Chris, you're absolutely right. We do have to change the way we do things. And we mm -hmm. have to focus more on maintaining and controlling our health conditions that are already pre-existing. That's just number one. Well, I believe that I've gone to, I've been in the hood and I've been in the non-hood. All right. I've, I've had my experience all across the board. The foods that we eat could be healthy for us. We're eating collard greens. We're eating snap peas. We're eating leafy vegetables, kale, right? It's how we prepare it eating turnip greens, mustard greens. I see that. You go to the cookout, I see it. You know, we're eating sweet potatoes, right? They got right. the sweet potatoes in there. You don't have to eat the white potatoes. Eat the sweet potatoes. Keeps the, right. the, your, your, your sugar from spiking. You know, uh, the squash. You know, I, I, I see, but it's how we're preparing this food. And those right. foods are in the hood market. And I always do hear that argument about... is. It's our choice. We make these choices. You know, now, if we're already buying that food, right, which, you know, uh, it's how you prepare. How are you frying it? Maybe you should bake it. You got the chicken, maybe you should bake it instead of you frying it. You know what I'm saying? Find other options other than just saying, okay, I'm poor and I don't have it. But it's in right. there. It's in there. You just have to be educated on how to um, figure it out and choose the right things, you know? Absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And sometimes the way we eat it are generational. True. So if there are bad practices mm -hmm. from your parents, your mm -hmm. grandparents, mm -hmm. you're not going to just instinctively change to healthy eating overnight, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So it does take education and being made aware of what needs to be done to improve your preparation of food, your shopping. You know, I remember going back to what you were saying in the days of the hood. Mm -hmm. I remember when people had supplemental food vouchers, mm -hmm. they would have ice cream and mm -hmm. large bags of chips mm -hmm. and and pop, Kool-Aid, mm -hmm. and just 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 even the the method in which they're shopping is unhealthy for them mm -hmm. and leads to this obesity 
mm-hmm. and chronic health conditions. Mm-hmm. So that's why I really appreciate this platform to help raise the awareness and educate people on better self-care, improving mm-hmm. their health. And I think the eye opener here is now the price is death. Okay. Before it was, okay, it's big mama. Okay. I'm big. My mama was big. My brother big. We just big. You know what I'm saying? And it's, it's acceptable and so forth right now. But you know what? I think with this pandemic, I think this is sometimes it takes something so drastic to change people's mind. And now you have to look at, look, when you see somebody, or you see yourself obese and so forth like that, you need to think about your mentality now. Really. You know, if, 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 if COVID wasn't even here, your obesity, can, it, death can come upon you and great disease. I know that I mentioned this in podcast last week when I graduated from National Academy of Sports and Medicine. The first paragraph in the book we started to read was, the government says 75% of Americans are going to come down with a chronic disease due to poor nutrition and lack of exercise. It's the first set. I'm like, what? They already know. They already know. Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but they're not teaching you what to do. So you need to think about what is their agenda then, right? What is their agenda? I'm just saying, if you care so much about us, mm-mm. okay. So I think we, I think we do have the foods that are in, in these, these, uh, these stores, these supermarkets and so forth, they just have to be taught, like you said, and educated on how to buy uh, what they need. Right. Of course, it's not only food. It's not only food. Um, I, True. We, we do have a big discussion about food, but there are some people with diabetes mm-hmm. that no matter what they eat, they have advanced diabetes and they are going to have advanced diabetes mm-hmm. and they cannot and they can eat whatever you tell them to eat, but mm-hmm. they're still going to need insulin. They can exercise, especially your type ones. Mm-hmm. I know our, our focus is on type two, mm-hmm. but our type one, di- people with ty- type one diabetes, they don't have obesity. Mm-hmm. They, are, they just have type one diabetes. And what mm-hmm. we need is federal programs because we have people out here who are getting sick because they have to. Um, they have to ration out their insulin because they can't afford the cost of insulin. Insulin is expensive. Mm. They can't afford the cost of insulin. So they can't manage their diabetes well because they can't afford to get their insulin. There are people dying because they can't afford to get their, get their insulin. So when you talk about the government, we need federal programs to make sure these people can get the medication they need mm-hmm. to control their diabetes because there's some people who are going to need medication no matter how they manage their diabetes. And I agree with you wholeheartedly. And these are situations that obviously that we can talk about, but I think that we're in a position now with this platform to help those that are pre-diabetic, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that are pre-diabetic because my whole thing, my whole platform, even beginning this is like, look, because of my type two diabetes, although I manage it very well, it's about, I don't want you to get it. Right. I don't want you to, to have what I have, you know, to, to be uh, tethered to medication. You know what I'm saying? And so, mm-hmm. yes, of, of course, there are always exceptions. So type one diabetes, either born with it, um, juvenile diabetes, all of that. I get that. 
And with you, Valerie and Dr. T, you give that information for those uh, that are currently within that, that matrix. But it's those that haven't, hasn't gotten it yet. You know, a lot of my clients are pre-diabetic or just made, you know, became type two diabetic. And, and through exercise and through diet, and you've seen my work, you know, they, 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 they're off of medication and the doctor says they don't have it at the time. Obviously you can go back and go back into your own habits, back to your old habits. But that's basically what I'm talking about. But you're absolutely right with the type two and some people, it's just going to be with you. And, uh, uh, and the government needs to help that too. I agree with you. Mm -hmm. So So, as we, um... as we move forward, as we move forward, Dr. T, what do we, what do we, what do we tell the people about this COVID, you know, give us your, I know it's kind of difficult. How can you, what do we do? What do we do? Well, you know, just maintain social distance, Mm -hmm. wash your hands frequently throughout the day. Use a hand sanitizer with at least 60% alcohol. Mm-hmm. Avoid touching your face. Um, cover your mouth when you cough, sneeze, wash your hands after. Um, and cover your nose and mouth. And if at all possible, wear glasses when you're out in public. Now, when you, you know, say glasses, what do you mean? Eyes. Sunglasses? Sunglasses, or- reading okay. glasses. If at all possible, but if you maintain that six foot social distance, you'll be okay because oftentimes the air droplets will fall before it reaches you. Now, if someone sneezes in your face, it may project even further. You know, it's been speculated that some of these um, aerosols go uh, more than 20 feet. Wow. So that's why it's so important to cover your nose and mouth. Right. And and be aware, like I discussed earlier about the virus being uh, able to uh, travel on your clothing. And and know mm-hmm. that uh, the virus can last on objects such as your um, and it's a, a small method of transfer, but know that the virus can land on hard surfaces. Right. Like plastic, mm-hmm. uh, countertops, uh, cardboard, uh, cans. So after grocery shopping, you know, you should get into a practice of washing your hands after you put everything away. Oh my Some goodness. people like to spray their bags down, right? Mm-hmm. So we have gotten into a practice now that we have a container at our uh, side door that we will just set the mail there and just spray it with Lysol and just set it there for a while before we open it. Mm -hmm. So we just have to just um, change the the way we do things and get into better practices to prevent the spread of the disease. And that's what we have to focus on. Prevention, preventing the spread. Now, they say that it it can stay in the air. I've heard this uh, quite a few minutes. Now, as opposed to just hits the air and just drops, that it's it, it can stay in the air for some time. Have you read anything on that? Does that have any factuality to it? 
Yes, it does. And that's the reason to cover your nose and mouth. And that's the reason for staying a distance. Mm-hmm. Because, uh, you know, understand, um, I tell some of the nurses I work with mm-hmm. that it takes nine months to create a life when a woman is pregnant. Mm-hmm. We have not had COVID-19 for nine months in the U.S., right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So there's a lot of unknowns. True. But it it was highly felt that um, it was spread through air droplets, Mm -hmm. which are larger and heavier, so they drop. Mm -hmm. Uh, But now there is some um, information coming forth that some of these viral uh, pathogens are aerosol. So they, they uh, spread further and last longer in the air. But with that being said, uh, we want to mitigate fear and just practice safe social distance, practice covering your nose and mouth. Well, I want to also deal with common sense for me yeah. and my understanding. And this is this. I go into a Walmart and I'm amazed, especially in the hood, I'm amazed and how many are not having a mask on or the mask is on the mouth and not on the nose. So there's breathing. Okay. There's right. breathing. So if you've got an entire Walmart full of people. Okay. Mm-hmm. And they have no mask, they're breathing or they could be coughing, and so forth and so on. That that's going to be a concentrated area of this virus bringing the bring being in the air and Six foot distancing would have no impact whatsoever. I thought about that. You know, it's, it's like take for example, if you were able to do some sort of X-ray, and you were able to see the virus in the air, and you go into you know these these stores and it's you know full of people and so forth like that, that virus is just going to be hanging in the air like that. Right. But right. Again, to mitigate um, fear and heightened. Um panic um visualize a healthcare setting so you have healthcare providers and healthcare workers that are actually caring for patients with COVID-19 true and if they wear gloves goggles Mm -hmm. gown and a mask they're okay um in my practice I've managed um more than 20 patients with COVID-19 in their rooms, examining them. Mm -hmm. They have coughed, they have sneezed, Mm -hmm. okay? I had to put my gloved hands on them to do a thorough, complete physical exam. Mm -hmm. But I've been fortunate enough where I have not contracted COVID-19. So it's not easily transmitted if you practice safe measures. So we need gloves. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. And I I just want specific. So obviously we need gloves because there are some health workers and doctors who have contracted the COVID. Now, I'm not trying to stoke fear. Okay. That's not what I'm trying to do, but I'm trying to get an understanding. I'm sorry. It's hard for me to be politically correct. I'm sorry. Chris, you want to address something you said, and you're absolutely right. Mm -hmm. Um, Early on, healthcare workers did not have enough PPEs. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So they didn't have enough protective measures 
when they took care of people with COVID-19. And Valerie, Valerie and I, um, we've worked together in various settings. Mm-hmm. So we know that, Valerie, firsthand, a PPE was used for one patient. One time. And when you leave that room, mm. you completely take it off. And mm. before you go into another room, you don a complete new set of PPEs. But right now, when you hear over the media and you hear the shortages, mm-hmm. that's what they're speaking to. Because these healthcare providers have had to wear their PPDs for up to five days or more. Oh, my goodness. Shortages. Oh, my so when goodness. you go from PPE, one patient only, mm-hmm. to five or more days, yes, you are at greater risk. And I'll give you a personal story. Uh, I work for a company that sends healthcare providers to various settings. Mm-hmm. So my company sent me two PPEs. And my company was aware that I was managing more than 20 patients with COVID-19. <laughs> so thank goodness for my husband who went out and found resources so that I would have adequate supplies because I explained to my husband, you know, PPEs were meant for one patient use only. So what is, what are two PPEs going to do for me? Right. Mm -hmm. So that's the problem. When you hear about healthcare providers uh, contracting Mm COVID-19, a lot of that is because of the shortage of uh, PPEs. Now, one of the uh, great information, one of the things that I, I did a little due diligence about these uh, ventilators, if I'm saying that correctly, and they were saying that 80 percent of the people, 80 to 85 percent of the people that get on them die. Uh, is this true? Is there a large percentage that because of getting on the ventilators, they die? They said it weakens the lungs, whatever the case may be. Can you give us a little insight into that? Well, what I could speak to is uh, when a person requires the use of a ventilator, Mm -hmm. they're already in a critical state. Okay, right. So it um, that's part of the problem. and like I said earlier, this is a very new virus, a virus that we have never known. So there is no standard of care. There is no consistent effective treatment. So we are learning as we go, Chris. That's true. That's true. And Dr. So, Fauci said that too. You know, yeah. things will change, you know. Yeah. You know, things will change as they go. Of course it is. You got you have a pathogen that's out there and you have no clue as to what it's going to do and how it's going to do it until it does it, <laughs> if yes. that makes any sense. And then you go, right. oh, don't do that. Yes, right. you, this is something, something that we have to adapt. And our protection, our right. protection is what we do outside of ourselves, masks, glasses, uh, shields, clothing, changing the clothing uh, and all of that. And also, again, yes, yes, and building up our immune system. Um, so, so what is then, then, then the ventilators then are just to sustain you? Because some people get on it, they do get off, they do 
Yeah. Um, okay. 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 Yes. Yes. Okay. So okay. the ventilator is to support the breathing because, remember, I I spoke earlier about the uh, the virus being predominantly inhaled. So for most people, and mm-hmm. understand, eighty percent of people who contract COVID nineteen mm-hmm. has mild to moderate symptoms, and I some people that. have no symptoms at all because mm-hmm. their body is able to launch an immune response to fight it off, just like you do with a common cold, just like you do with various flus, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but when you are um, compromised, that virus is emboldened, and it travels with the um, receptor, right? Mm-hmm. The ACE2 receptor that allows it to have entry beyond the nasal passages into the lungs. So the lungs are a target. It is a respiratory virus. So when your body is not able to fight it off, it will interfere with your breathing. You'll have shortness of breath. Your saturation will drop. And some people are fortunate and just wear the um, oxygen mask. Mm -hmm. Some people have severe complications that require the ventilator. So even if you don't have diabetes, smoking is like the worst thing you can do. Vaping, right? Absolutely. Okay. So anything you're doing, I know people say, I got to smoke my weed. I got to do this. Excuse me. Um, But you need to, you need to understand that doing anything to your lungs at this time. Yes. You need to stop. (laughs) You need to stop. Eat a brownie. Eat the brownie. They got weed candy. (laughs) just so that you can protect yourself that's why we are here how do you protect yourself yeah you know and and we need to get this message out v and i'm i'm so i'm so thankful for 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 you guys you know that you're on the front line you know you're there helping helping us and uh, I think this is is an incredible information. Incredible. Now they talk about ace. Uh, what is it? Asymptomatic. Asymptomatic. And, uh, asymptomatic. Now D.L. Hughley didn't know he had it. He was at a nightclub, right? No mask. People out there. He fell out. They found out. Okay, he got it. Um. Does it just come over you like that? I mean, you know what I'm saying? How does it just overwhelm you like that? And and tell us about how that happens, asymptomatic, and what we should look out for, for with that. Well, uh, COVID-19, this new novel virus, is mm-hmm. not as lethal as SARS or MERS, right? Now, that's interesting. It is rapidly spreading. So if you put it in perspective, Upwards of 6 million people in the U.S. have contracted it, but we've had 180,000 to die. So if you put that in perspective, it's not a very lethal virus. So with that being said, 45% may show no symptoms. They may be asymptomatic. Their immune, immune response is effective in warding it off. Right, they're carriers. Mm. They can spread it to others, mm. but they may have absolutely no symptoms. And sometimes I can presume to say that he is in 
show business. So having it in an asymptomatic um, phase, now he's getting worn down because he was performing at the time. Mm. So when you're worn down, you're not mm. eating right, you're not getting adequate rest, mm. that's when that virus is emboldened and causes more problems, right? Mm. So 45%, yes, will have absolutely no symptoms. And 80% will only have mild to moderate. 80% require no hospital admission. They recover at home. Hmm. So it's not as lethal as viruses that we have known. It's not as lethal as Ebola virus. Well, right? Right, 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 it's right, just right. a rapidly spreading virus, right? And it's the most rapidly spreading virus that we've known. So the key is to prevent yourself from contracting it in the first place because there's no predictor on how well you will um, survive right? Mm. We've had children die from COVID-19. So we don't have a gauge because it's so new. So the best defense is to prevent the spread. Wear your gloves, cover your nose and mouth, wash your hands frequently, shower, keep your house clean, right? Eat healthy, exercise, stay hydrated. And that's like the best take-home point because you want to uh, build a defense to prevent the spread. And then if you do contract it, make sure that you're in the best of health going into this infection. Yes, yes. Perfectly said, perfectly said. I'm going to thank you for coming on, Dr. T. Um, this has been incredible. It's motivational, it's inspirational, and, and, and very educational. And, and I think that the key here is what you just said at the end, you know, take care of yourself. You know, take care of yourself. Love yourself. If you love yourself, you take care of yourself. Um, Valerie, you have any final words? Yes, I just want to do a short recap. I just want to let people know that um, COVID-19, if you have diabetes, you don't have more of a risk of contracting COVID-19 than the general population. And this was said, I just want to make sure you know that, but you do have a risk of greater adverse complications or worse outcomes. Mm -hmm. So you have a risk, greater risk of being hospitalized. You have a greater risk of going on a ventilator mm -hmm. and a greater risk of death as Dr. T says. So you don't have a greater risk of contracting it, but you do have a greater risk of worse outcomes. Mm. So make sure you're monitoring your blood sugar levels. Make mm. sure you're managing your diabetes well. Make sure you're taking your, um, your blood pressure at home if you have a blood pressure machine because COVID-19 also raises your blood pressure. So make sure that mm. you are monitoring. Yes, you are monitoring your health and that you are um, and that you know what's going on and managing your diabetes, taking your medication for your high blood pressure. So you mm. want to be able to, you want to be managing all of those chronic diseases mm. Excellent. to Excellent. ward off worse to ward off worse outcomes of COVID-19. Make sure you contact your doctor if you have a fever or a dry cough, but if you have shortness of breath and 
pain or pressure in your chest, mm -hmm. those are things that you call EMS for immediately. You don't mm. call your doctor if you can't breathe. Mm. You call emergency medical services if you have persistent chest pain or your family, you can't arouse a family member. Those are things you don't wait to, to, to call your doctor for. You call EMS immediately. Well, that's excellent. Thank you, Dr. T, for coming on. I uh, really do appreciate you. You're doing good work out there. I'm proud of you, my sister. I'm proud of you. Uh, v, so much. again, yes. did it again. Episode Yes. Yeah, I love it. We're going to keep it going. I hope you come back on with us as we travel down this journey with this COVID mess uh, that we can call on you, hopefully, down in the future, and you can give us more information as this thing uh, continues to do what it do. Thank you so much, Dr. Chris. And Chris, mm -hmm. Valerie, it's my pleasure. Thank you for taking time out to do what you do to oh, offer health you. education in support of improving self-care. Thank, thank you so much. Thank you. All right, everybody. This is Christopher B. and Valerie, along with Dr. T. We want to thank you for joining us today. Have a good day. Stay healthy and protect yourself. Love yourself. Goodbye, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.